Good evening and welcome to The Racing Show. A very sad, sad day today uh, following the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. But we've decided to carry on with our show because we feel that the Queen was a great lover of horse racing and it just seems like uh, an added tribute to Her Majesty. We do, however, pass on our sincere condolences to all of the royal family. So, good evening and welcome to The Racing Show. Let's get straight into it with The Racing News with Mike Patton. Hello and a very warm welcome to this week's edition of The Racing News with all the news that is the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, The Racing Post and The Sporting Life. I'm Mike Patton and this week here's our first story. Naval power strengthened Charlie Appleby's grip on the juvenile division when charging through a tight gap to extend his unbeaten record to four in the listed ascendant stakes. On his first try at a mile in the Betfair-sponsored contest, the Teofilo Colt was caught behind runners on the rail, but William Buick bided his time, and once daylight arrived, his mount quickened up to score decisively. Bookmakers cut Naval Powell's odds for next year's 2,000 guineas to 8-1 to one from 10, making him shorter in the betting than stablemate Noble Style, who is 10-1 after winning last month's Jim Crack Stakes. Little Big Bear heads the market at 4-1. to one. Appleby said, It was another good learning day. Will got him into a nice box seat there and he had to fight for his gap, but class prevailed in the end. He had a penalty, but he brought experience into the race, and I was confident he would see it out well. Once the gap appeared, the stamina came in, and it kicked in at the right time. Naval Power has multiple entries, and Appleby is keen to stick to a mile in the Judemont Royal Lodge Stakes at Newmarket on September the 24th. He added... The Racing Post Trophy, the Vertum Futurity Trophy, would be thought about, but he's a Teofilo who loves a sound surface and we're more likely to go for the Royal Lodge. If he was to run well in that, we would put him away for the year and see where we are next year. Look into next season's classics, Appleby added. On pedigree, he should be able to stretch out to a mile and a quarter and hopefully beyond. For a horse with that pedigree, he's got a lot of natural pace as well. And next, here on the Racing News. Stradivarius is not entered for a possible rematch with Kiprios in Ireland, but Nielsen was willing to pay a €50,000 supplement fee to add him to the field. Beyond that, the chestnut is entered in the Group 2 Kipco British Champions Long Distance Cup at Ascot on October the 15th, which is a racy one back in 2018. A crack at the Classic would have been a first Irish outing for the three-time Group 1 winner who has twice come unstuck against Kiprios this season. Frankie Dettori lost the ride on Son of Sea of Stars on account of his third to the Irish ace at Royal Ascot in June and was replaced by Andrea Adzini. That pair were beaten by a neck by Kiprios in the Group 1 Goodwood Cup in July, which at the time had been nominated as the third of a final trilogy of outings for Stradivarius, who holds the record for most group wins by a horse trained in Europe before retirement. However, Nielsen stated afterwards that the intention was to carry on, and it was a, quote, possibility that he would carry on racing at nine. And next up, here on the Racing News, Trushan, who was withdrawn from the Lonsdale Cup shortly before the race because of unsuitably quick ground, is among 12 entries for the Doncaster Cup. 
The unbeaten Isaac Shelby, last seen winning the superlative stakes at Newmarket in July and as short as 14-1 to 1 for next year's Kipco 2000 Guineas, will not appear in the Coral Champagne Stakes next weekend. The Brian Meehan-trained colt will instead be aimed at the Qatar Prix Jean-Luc Lagardère at Longchamp on October the 2nd or the Dali Dewhurst Stakes at Newmarket six days later. The 12 entries for the Doncaster Cup at time of recording are Coltrane, Andrew Balding, Get Shirty, David O'Meara, Hazoom, Keith Dalgleish, Island Braith, Heather Main, Lismore, Henry de Bromhead, Mollywood, Dylan Coonhar, Reshone, Alan Williams, Search for a Song, Dermot World, Single, Mick Shannon, Stratum, Willie Mullins, Thunderous, Charlie and Mark Johnston, and Trushan, Alan King. Next up, here on the Racing News. John Gosden admitted it was a mistake to run Moshtardaf in the July festival, but there was no such cause for regret after the Unibet September stakes, as the four-year-old denied Dubai honour. Mostardaf scored on his seasonal reappearance for John and Thady Gosden in the Gordon Richards Stakes and finished runner-up in the Brigadier Gerard before stepping up in trip for the Hardwick Stakes. He was second to Broome at Royal Ascot and then finished down the field in the Princess of Wales Stakes at Newmarket in July, but he bounced back in style under Dane O'Neill at Kempton. Sent off at 6-1, Mostardaf cruised into contention before taking the lead on the home straight and hanging on to deny the favourite Dubai Honour, who was dropped into Carmel Waters after finishing second to Baid last time, and rallied late after being held up. He quickened up well, said Gosden, who won the Group 3 for the fourth time in five years, having struck with Enable and Roll Line. Richard Kingscote set a sensible pace aboard Solid Stone up front alongside Gear Up for Joseph O'Brien, but Mostardaf was in the perfect position one off the rail and he kicked on up the straight. I felt it was tough for Dubai Honour to come back off that pace. Mostardaf was a bit edgy last time and it was too soon after a huge run at Ascot. He was joint favourite and it looked like a group two there for the winning, but it was a mistake to run. We do make those. The winner was introduced at 33-1 to 1 for next month's Qatar Pre-Delarc de Triomphe by Paddy Power, and Gosden added, We'll work out what's there in October. He's unlikely to run again this month. Next up, here on the Racing News. A year on from the most nervous he had felt on a racecourse, and the day after he and his wife forgot their wedding anniversary, owner David Ward was able to watch USS Constitution land the seven-furlong novice under Savvy Osborne. On the equivalent day in 2021, Ward and his wife Sue were at Haydock watching Starman miss out on victory in the Group 1 Sprint Cup by a short head. This time, USS Constitution rallied after being headed in the closing stages to ensure the wards were able to have some belated champagne to celebrate 33 years of marriage. David Ward said, My wife's mother called up to wish us a happy anniversary yesterday and we'd both forgotten about it. He added, USS Constitution is a lovely horse and will be even more so as a three-year-old. He liked it when another horse came to him. Safi had to go on and lead as there wasn't much pace, but she felt he was always going to win. He is still green as he tried to duck out after crossing the line.
reflecting on the effort of Starman, who has had 254 mares scanned in foal during his first season standing at Tally Ho Stud, according to Ward, the owner said. It was the most nervous I had ever been before a race on this day last year. I was looking at the pictures in the racing post today of the finish and thinking, did we actually get beaten? It was so close. Next up, here on the Racing News. The Irish racing community is in mourning following the tragic death of Jack de Bromhead, 13-year-old son of leading trainer Henry and his wife Heather, after what has been described as a freak fall at Glenbay Horse and Pony Races in County Kerry on Saturday. A twin brother to Mia and older sibling to Georgia, de Bromhead was already a familiar young face to racing fans, having featured in various television interviews as the likes of Honeysuckle, Aid Plus Tard, Manila Indo and Manila Times carried all before them for his father's County Waterford stable. He was known as a pleasant and humble boy who was regularly seen by his father's side at the races and had begun to carve his own career on the horse and pony racing circuit over the past couple of seasons, making a big impression by riding a handful of winners this summer. On Saturday, he was participating at the historic Glenbay Races two-day event which takes place on Ross Bay Strand in West Kerry. It is understood de Bromhead was riding in the fifth race when his mount veered into the sea as they rounded a bend and fell, landing on top of him. An air ambulance was summoned to attend the stricken rider, but despite the best efforts of all the emergency services, he died at the scene. Garda said of the accident that a male in his teens received treatment at the scene following the incident, but was later pronounced deceased. His body has since been removed to the morgue at Kerry University Hospital. The remainder of Saturday's card was abandoned immediately, as was Sunday's scheduled fixture, and it was the first time the Glenbay meeting had been held since the pandemic. The Dubromhead family's devastating loss comes at a time when Henry's stable has been dominated jump racing's most prestigious events, he has sent out Honeysuckle to win the last two champion hurdles at Cheltenham Festival, where he has also won the past two gold cups with Manella Indu and A Plus Tard. He and Rachel Blackmore also combined to scale the sport's highest summit when landing a famous victory in the 2021 Grand National with Manella Times. Funeral details for Jack have yet to be announced at the time of recording. Next up, here on the Racing News. Harry Fry believes after two years at his base, he knows precisely how to get the best out of his string of horses, which is headlined by Cheltenham Festival winner Love Envoy. The trainer had a tricky spell in his first full campaign of the state-of-the-art facility in Higher Crocomore Dorset, but last season enjoyed notable success, capped by Love Envoy winning the Mares' Novices Hurdle at the festival. She is not back in training after picking up a setback summering with Noel Fahili, but expectations are similarly high for Might I and Metier, while the team of novice chasers and hurdlers has Fry particularly excited for his 11th season as a trainer. He said, I know everyone says it, but I do feel we have our best team ever. We've got quality and strength across the board. I'm going into my third season from here and we've been finding our feet, even though we've had a Cheltenham Festival and Grade 1 winners. 
Towards the end of last year, I really felt we got to grips with how to best use the facilities to get the best out of the horses. We have renewed confidence in the talented group of horses, but also how to prepare them. Fry is not too concerned by Love Envoy's issue and is set to welcome her back in the coming weeks before he hopes to commence a season geared towards Cheltenham. She broke her unbeaten record to Brandy Love at Fairy House, but Fry believes she was not at her peak. He reflected, We were beaten fair and square by a better mare on the day, but she'd had a busy campaign, and we knew going over there that she probably wasn't at her absolute best. She was still good enough to finish second in a grade one. We'll work back from the mares' hurdle. She picked up a minor injury that's just held her up for a couple of weeks. It's a hold-up, but it's not too bad with the weather the way it is. A plan for grade one winner, Metier, has not been decided, but he could join a talented team in the novices' chase division, which includes Dubrovnik Harry, Boot Hill and Rioca. Mai Tai will not be heading over fences, as Fry hopes he can progress into a graded level staying hurdler. The 125,000 three-mile handicap hurdle at Haydock on Betfair Chase Day is his first target. Fry plundered top-level prizes with staying hurdlers, you know what I mean, Harry, and if the cap fits, and he added, Mai Tai was a runner-up in a grade one last season and faced Mission Impossible at Sandown in December trying to concede £6 to Constitution Hill, but, being a half-brother to the National Hunt Chase winner Statler, we feel he could be progressive stepping up in trip. The handicap at Haydock has been used as a springboard for the likes of Paisley Park and Sam Spinner to go into the graded staying division, so it'll be interesting to see if he can progress into a horse of that calibre. Hymac, Alto Belly and Fairy Gem are among the exciting novice hurdlers, while 89-rated flat performer High Fiber has recently joined the yard to go juvenile hurdling. Last summer, Fry decided not to employ a stable jockey, but chose from a pool of riders, and they include Sean Bowen, Jonathan Burke and Lorcan Murtagh, who has recovered from a broken leg sustained in January. Ben Bromley has also joined the stable as a conditional. This has been this week's edition of The Racing News with me, Mike Padden, with all the news that is the news from across the racing media, including Racing TV, The Racing Post and The Sporting Life. Please join us again next time for more racing news. But thanks for listening. Well, that was Mike Padden with all the racing news from the racing media, including The Racing Post and The Sporting Life. And now let's see where we can go racing this weekend. Right, well, there are seven races on the flat at Doncaster with a 1.15 start. Seven races on the flat at Fosslass, 1.20 start. Seven races on the flat at Lingfield on the all-weather, 1.35 start. Seven races on the flat at Chelmsford, also on the all-weather, 1.40 start. Seven races on the flat at Chester with a two o'clock start. Seven races on the flat at Leopardstown with a 2.05 start and seven races on the flat at Musselburgh with a 3.38 start. And Sunday, right, there are eight races on the flat at the Curra uh, with a 1.15 start. Seven races on the flat at Musselburgh with a 1.30 start. Seven races on the flat at Chepstow with a 1.40 start. And also there's one race on the flat at Longchamp with a 2.50 start. And you can also pop over to Hong Kong or America 
at Del Mar or Chartin. Right, there are eight races on the flat at the Curra uh, with a 1.15 start. Seven races on the flat at Musselboro with a 1.30 start. Seven races on the flat at Chepstow with a 1.40 start. And also there's one race on the flat at Longchamp with a 2.50 start. And you can also pop over to Hong Kong or America at Del Mar or Chartin. Now, last week, uh, listeners will have heard us talking to Clive Cox about his career as a top class trainer. Uh, well, this week, we thought we'd carry on with that theme, and he talks to us about Wonder Horse Harry Angel. And here's what he had to say. And then, you know, moving across then to Godolphin, and, and we've got to talk about Harry. Um, you know, what's it like working with Godolphin? I mean, you know, Sheikh Mohammed, I, I presume, or was it Sheikh Hamdan? I'm, I'm not sure which one is which in this uh, situation. Well, he was an amazing horse, and um, I bought him as a yearling at um, Doncaster Sales, and uh, he he earned the accolade of being the, the fastest six furlong horse in the world for, for a short time, hmm. um, which which was quite a quite a title to to have. Um, he was very very special, and and I'm hoping his progeny progeny that he's producing now start and show a little bit of um, similar quality and, and speed that he had hmm. um but he was he was owned by um peter ridges who is is a very uh close friend and owners of our owner of ours to begin with and um he, he had many nice horses jimmy styles being one and um harry angel was was very special and and um yes that's right i mean he was bought by um godolphin sheikh mohammed to stand at stud but but he continued racing for us for a little while and um it was it was extremely special that um after after winning um to begin with at group two level he then went on to win uh the Haydock sprint which is this weekend and and previous to that he, he'd won the july cup which um uh was amazing um mm. you know it's a it's a you know i have to pinch myself and think that we can even be having this conversation never mind winning it you know was that were your best days in racing yeah, I think we've we've been so lucky to share these days with very special people, and, and um, Lethal Force was another July Cup winner that still holds the course record there. Um, and Robin Craddock, the owner of that, was a, was another very very special person. Sadly, no longer with us, but um, enormously um, special days that racing can allow you to to share those real highs with some very special people and and yeah it, it's it's only imaginable how how lucky we've been yeah but uh, when it came to buying um harry angel you 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 bought him i know obviously before sort of reselling so to speak um what made you go for him was there a, did, you know did he sort of jump out at you like a a flash out of the of the blue or what i mean what how was it you know you you go into a, a sale um you know, a sale um, session up at uh, Newmarket or wherever. I mean, did he? Did he, you know? Did he, did he just jump at you and you think, yeah, that's the one? It's it's very special. I think the going back to the early part of the conversation, my father and going to the shows and watching the confirmation of the horses you were competing against, yeah. and Dad explaining to you this and that. You 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 get an eye for what you like and the. the sort of physical sense of strength and, and confirmation is so important to any athlete. And um, looking at those things is 
is um, instrumental. Um, those those very grateful upbringing uh, that, that I was able to share with my parents and grandparents. Um, that that is what I um, hold a lot of um, satisfaction in in being taught by by my elders at that stage. And and um, yeah, so when you when you see a horse. The horse, like Harry Angel, is a horse that you just didn't want to be leaving the cells without, and yeah. um, it, it's, it does happen, but it's a rarity. And, and um, when those things happen, it, it gives you such a, a, an amazing feeling, and doesn't always go right when you get them home. They can have the right physical sense and not the, the, the mental capacity to cope. So there are so many factors that, that come through, but it, it does give me great pride that, that we're. Uh, you know, able to compete with those horses we bought. I mean, there's loads of other horses I've got listed down here that I was going to ask you about, but we're going to run out of time if I do that. But um, heartwarming in particular, or heartache, I should say, heartwarming was was uh, um, uh, by heartache. I think am I right in saying that? She's out of heartache, but heartache was um, a very special filly that I'm I'm pleased was sent to us by um, the Harpers. And she belonged to Hot to Trot Racing, mm -hmm. but she won the Queen Mary at Royal Ascot after a very pleasing uh, debut success at Bath, a track that we frequent very regularly. Um, but um, yes, she was just uh, a star pupil that did everything right, and and um, through having mm -hmm. a, a good track record now, the likes of Whitsbury Stud have, have been very. Um, uh, helpful in, in sending us nice horses. I, I had my she had my first ever Group One winner for the for the Harpers in, in a filly called Gilt Edge Girl. She won the Prix de l'Abbé, hmm. and um, they've they've got a knack of producing really good sprinters, especially. And um, you know they're they're standing a very good and exciting stallion called Havana Gray right now, who's who's really leading the way with the with the stallions. Yeah. Uh, and and um, so yeah. That was another one of their family heartache that um, holds very dear memories. Well, of course, I, I first met you, I expect you can remember it, but I remember meeting you when uh, uh, Heartwarming ran at, I think it was Sandown, and he won up there. Yeah. Um, and that was my first ever winner as a sort of a, quote, horse owner, albeit... Uh, probably his left testicle or something but uh, nonetheless <laughs> I owned a bit of it so I was quite happy with that being part of Hot to Trot but um well that was quite rare because she was a filly so I don't know how you work that one out all right then yeah I got, I got that one wrong okay I hold my hands up then <laughs> I always get mixed up between fillies and colts and what have you anyway but uh, it's, a, it's a horse at the end of the day Clive come on well now the last of Clive's musical choices and it's Jesse J and bang bang um yeah but but uh, going back to Harry Angel a minute how would you say you could compare Harry Angel with Baid then at the moment? Well, Baid's getting a mile and a quarter for a start. Harry didn't get an inch over six furlongs and probably would have been equally successful over five furlongs. Um, but we didn't run him over five furlongs for the simple reason he was quite a um, hot temperament. And if things went wrong and, and we were, you know, he liked to travel into a race and then produce uh, a really strong finish. Um, he broke track records at Haydock and, and um, went on very fast ground and very slow ground as well. But um, I think Baid is a is a completely different. You know, he's he's he could run up to a mile and a quarter, probably even a mile and a half. Whether they run him in the arc this year or not, I don't know. But um, 
Yeah, so Harry was pure speed, and that was that was as far as his stamina would last. Yeah. Okay. Now, behind every good trainer, there's always a good jockey, and and you obviously have used um, Adam Kirby, you know, a lot, and you've got a very close relationship, I presume, with him. You know, tell me about Adam. How's, uh, how do you, how did you get you know first get in touch with him, and you know how did you uh, develop your relationship with him? Well, I first saw him ride at Wolverhampton one day, and he rode a winner for Gay Kellaway, and um, uh, that was a very long time ago, probably 20 years ago now, I'd say. Um, and um, anyway, we, we did use him, and um, he was amazing. He rode a horse called Ionian Spring at Chester, and, and it was amazing how he put his hands on his neck and settled this horse. He was really keen. And as a seven-pound claiming apprentice, the only person that had really done that with any confidence before was was the one and only Pat Edry mm. and um, from that point on we we grew a relationship and um, he came on board as my apprentice and I'm not sure how many winners he's ridden for us now but he's he's had the most amazing career and he's won a couple of July Cups for us amongst many other I'm not sure how many group one winners he's ridden for us but he's he's a first-class human being most importantly a really really nice guy a hugely talented horseman and he does the most amazing thing with his weight because he's a big fella and what he's managed to do over the years has been uh, even more commendable because it's it's been hard work with his weight. Mm. Well that shows that shows the dedication and the hard work that, that goes into being a jockey everybody thinks it's easy just sit on a horse and ride it but there's a hell of a lot more to it than that isn't there? Most definitely, yeah, without a shadow of doubt. But um, I think in another era he would have he would have been a warrior without any shadow of doubt. Mm. But um, a very very good good rider, and um, uh, you know I, I'm, I'm very pleased that we've we've earned many successes together. And again, sticking with Harry Angel in a minute, I, I just looking at that. Apparently, he's, he's earned you or earned the owners, I should say, eight hundred and seventy three thousand five hundred and three pounds, which is one hell of a lot of money. Yeah, he was a forty-two thousand um, purchase as a as a yearling, so it it was um, it was a happy ending, you know. It was uh, mm. what we, it, yeah, that, that's hitting the bullseye really. And and he's happily now at stud. Where where is he at stud? Well, he actually shuttles from here um, at the moment. He's at Darley Studs in, in Newmarket, but he he does shuttle to the Southern Hemisphere as well. Mm. So he's he's got a um, whole um, generation. Uh, appearing there, and they'll be making their racecourse debuts quite soon. So uh, yeah, he's he's getting a few runners to to hopefully carry his name forwards. Well, that was more of our interview with Clive Cox, uh, especially talking about Harry Angel, what a horse he was. All right, well now it's time to go around to our usual calls, and we're going to pop in to see uh, first of all. Um, Rod Millman down at Cullumpton. Good afternoon, Rod. Uh, I take it you're on your way up to Kempton now, um, but it looks like you've got uh, a mass evacuation of the stables over to Foslas over the weekend. Yes, we've got a few runners there. Um, the best chance, obviously, is uh, singing the blues if the rain keeps on coming. He's won two of his last three races on the comeback trail, and he runs in the... the uh, final of the uh, Stayer series at Foslas. Uh, right. And, quite uh, a valuable race. Quite a valuable race. 25,000 nine added, so it was quite a valuable race. Yeah. For that grade of horse. Uh, 
plenty of others though going. I mean, Master Grey, uh, Pride of Horridge. Uh, I, don't, I don't expect don't expect Master Grey will go. It would probably be too soft for him. Right. Pride of Horridge would definitely go. And Bama Lama loves cutting the ground, so right. we'll, we'll have a, we'll have a, quite a few runners that day. Yeah, Bama, uh, not Bama Lama, Mountain Ash. What about that one? No, he'll go to Chepstow. Right. Okay. And then looking at Sunday again, you've got uh, quite a few runners at Chepstow. Handy Talk. Swadal and Mountain Ash again. Are, are all those likely to run? Uh, yes, they are. Because that's, that's the final of the sprint series. That's not right. the 25,000 Yeah. So, um, Sky Dive was a very close third last week. Um, she should run very well. Uh, Handy, Hand, uh, Handy Talk is getting to the veteran stage now, but he's well within the race of this standard. So, I mean, all being well, if, if you have a good weekend, you could have a really good weekend financially from a prize money point of view. Well, it'd be nice because we've got, um, on Friday, we've got Abel Kane to go for the big race up at um, Doncaster. Yeah. Uh, a £50,000 handicap, which she, which she won last year. Um, unfortunately, Cuban Mistress has just pulled a muscle in her, in her back, back, so she's not running in the big race on Friday, but she'll go for the um, big group race, Cornwallis at Newmarket at the end of the season. She's taking on to that. But... Um, They've had a busy week. I've been away at the sales all week. Today we bought four new yearlings for next yeah. year. Oh, right. So we're uh, pretty busy, yeah. So um, now we've got to restock and um, try and get some nice horses. And uh, obviously racing today, today this is pre-recorded obviously on a Wednesday, but I see you've got uh, Crystal Cask got that this afternoon or this evening, 7 o'clock. Is that uh, got a good chance? <laughs> well, she's taking on a couple of younger, nicer, horse, nicer horses. But she won very easily last week at Salisbury, and as it was an, as it was an apprentice race, she doesn't get a penalty for today. Right. But she is running two. She is running two pounds at the handicap, but the handicapper has put her up for five pounds. So in theory, she's three pounds well in today. Oh right. Okay. But um, yeah, she's taken on a couple of young horses which have which have won. Whereas she's seven, she's an old girl, but she's still very game. Um, holds her form very well. Ran a great race last time, so hopefully she'll put up a good show. Um, as as a as somebody that's not totally involved in racing, can you answer a question for me? You know when you you look at a race course generally, and um, they have these little sort of what I can best describe as kinks that force the horses to go further across the the uh, the track. Is there any specific reason for that? When they come round the last bend, they have a false rail that throws them out into the middle of the track. Is that what you mean? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, is there any specific reason for that? Well, it, it's it's very good. It makes more exciting racing. Mm -hmm. uh, the jockeys in behind then get a chance to attack down the inside, so it's, it splits the race up. Now, if you're a front-running jockey, you probably don't agree with it because you're in a bad position because the jockeys behind you have space to attack you. Yeah. Whereas if there's no if there's no if there's no uh, shoot, then of course you can protect your inside. So in theory, a jockey can have jockey can have horses come up his inside legally. And it just makes more exciting race, and it, it gives the horses in the race more chance to, to, to win the race. Right. Okay. I well. think it's, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. Um, it makes racing more exciting. Uh, you can be an unlucky loser. It probably make, makes gives the best horse in the race more chance to win. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, thank you for that explaining that because I didn't know that. Um, and we'll uh, look forward to a, a successful weekend for you over the weekend at. Uh, Doncaster, Fosslass and Chepstow and hopefully you have a good weekend. Well they're all running well still and we've got um Wolverhampton Wolverhampton at um 
first at Sandown. She's she's favourite in there, so we should put up a good show. Yeah. So, like I say, it should should be, a, a, hopefully, with a bit of luck, a, a good... I mean, obviously, this rain's coming now. That's sort of changed the complexion of the race a little bit, hasn't it? Uh, yes, it will. The horses that I give in the ground will be advantageous. And fast-growing horses, disadvantaged. So, yeah. uh, yes, it will. Be yeah. We'll throw up some different results than you've had earlier in the season. Good. OK, Rob, well, best of luck for the weekend. We'll speak to you next week, sir. OK, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Cheers for now. Bye-bye. Well, that was a very busy Rod Millman. Having done the sales this week, he's now off to Kempton. So, moving on, we're going to go up and catch up with Jamie Snowden. Well, good afternoon, Jamie. Um, I'm just really ringing to apologise for giving the horse that you ran this afternoon the kiss of death. So, many apologies for that, but uh, he, he ran a good race. Yeah, he did. Chapman's like, ran, ran a good race. He was only beaten the length um, on the back of a a good win down at Newton Abbott the last day. The handicapper gave him a bit of a bit of a clout for that, and um, he's he's run a, he's run another another good race today. So um, certainly certainly can't uh, can't complain too much. No, absolutely, and uh, nothing over the weekend according to my Racing Post page. But you've got a couple on Monday. Are they looking uh, promising? Yeah, so no, no, there's there's no jump racing now for a few days. All right, um, yeah. So uh, all the trophies get a get a bit of a holiday, but um, we'll carry on working. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what about twelfth? Uh, oh, it's twelfth. Yeah, no, it's away, five days away, isn't it? Donny Azouf. Donny Donny Azouf. Um, yeah. So he was um, he was pacing a few bumpers. He he missed a missed a bit of time with it with an injury, but he came back from near enough six hundred days off the track to finish second last time out. Um, we've given him plenty of time to to recover from that. And uh, and hopefully he'll he'll go again. Yeah. Um, whether we go whether we go to Worcester or an, another another race, we'll have a look. But um, yeah, he's in good order. And Night Fever. Night Fever. She's um, she's been steadily improving. I think it's probably fair to say um, with each of her her runs over hurdles to date. Um, she did run um, not so long ago. Well, last week, in fact, um, she was only beaten four lengths at, at Worcester uh, last week. So we we, we have entered her again. We'll, we'll just see whether whether we go. We'll we'll, um, we'll have a look at the race and see how she is and make a decision close to the time. Okay. So um, where is Utoxeter? The Midlands. Oh, Midlands. Oh, so it's not too far for you to drive then. Stoke. Oh yeah, yeah Stoke. Yeah, yeah. Trouble with this, you've got to go on the M6, I expect, and that's always a pain in the proverbial, isn't it? Times, yeah, it can be. Yeah, yeah, the times I've been held up on the M6, although we're going to football. It's, uh, uh, by the way, didn't mention it earlier, but um, your your team took one hell of a beating on uh, Sunday. Oh, <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the previous five five wins? No, I'm just going to talk about the current one because uh, you can't live in the oh, past. Okay. You can't live in the past. <laughs> yeah. uh, they've been playing well, Eddie. You've got to admit that. Well, they have, but so have we. So uh, you know, but uh, what a what a brutal game the, the game is, isn't it? You know, um, poor old Thomas Tuchel. He's out on his ear now. So uh, yeah, just, he's been kicked out I hear today. Yeah, he? just just one uh, one defeat. Well, I say one defeat, but one defeat too many, I suppose, is the point. But uh, but there we go. Yeah. But um, but in the meantime, could we perhaps have a word with your your chauffeur? Yeah, I will pass you on to Paige right now. There she is. Hi, Hello. Eddie. Hello, Paige. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. How are you? Uh, not too bad. I see the name Paige Fuller cropping up on quite a few rides lately. You seem to be quite busy all of a sudden. Yeah, I'm not sure 
Oh yeah, last week was a busy week. This week, not so much. I think the next couple of weeks are quite quiet. They all sort of seem to run in a flush, but they were running well at least. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose the fact that the going's going to get a little bit softer now is going to help just generally overall in racing, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, you know, mostly if you've got a horse in for the summer and you're not running it on the ground at the moment, then you should probably shouldn't have it in for the summer, to be honest. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, always a catch-22 that we, you know, we don't want to be riding on really quick ground because it does hurt when we hit the deck. But actually, there are some horses that seem to love it. So, yeah, luckily for those horses, they've had a they've had their ground all summer. Um, but, you know, I think Quicksaver is going to start in the next couple of weeks, which would be nice. I said you're still enjoying the life of a lady jockey. Yes, of course, always, always. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Well, it's nice to have a quick chat with you. Anyway, I'm sorry we haven't got back to you on that ladies, uh, ladies racing bit, but I'm waiting for Colin Brown to pull his finger out. So, uh, you know, you, you can't get the staff these days, can you? That's the problem. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but we will get back to you, don't worry. No worries at all, lady. I look forward to it. Okay, lovely to talk to you again anyway. Hi, Aidy. Yeah, um, well, just just to finish off, really, Jamie, thanks for coming on the show again. Hopefully, um, when you get back on Monday week or whenever it is, that uh, you have more success. That would be very nice. Thank you very much. No, that's fine. No problem. But thanks for coming on the show again anyway. Cheers, Aidy. Well, that was Jamie Snowden up at Lambourne uh, on his way back from Utoxeter after I put a tenner on his horse and, of course, it came second. The kiss of death strikes again. Well, now it's time to catch up with our flat racing expert, Richard Phillips, up at Gloucestershire. Uh, here's Richard now with his assessment of what's happening at Doncaster over the weekend. Well, good afternoon, Richard. Thank you for joining us on the show again. Um, can I have a look at Doncaster and Leopardstown? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, looking forward to an incredible uh, weekend of racing. Um, of course, we've got the St. Ledger at Doncaster, where we've got um, Haskoy has been added, uh, a filly trained by Rafe Beckett, who obviously um, is unbeaten. She's won both her races, but she won at York, and she's been put in there um, by the Judmont Farms, who are obviously won the race before, a very promising daughter of Nathaniel. But the favourite is New London, who's also on favour. It's impressive at Goodwood and Hu Yamal came second to him that day. But I think the value bet is Hu Yamal, I think, in the St. Ledger. New London probably win it, but I think Hu Yamal was pretty impressive, I thought, last time at Goodwood. He didn't beat a lot, but he showed he stayed. He was second in Derby. He was our Derby tip, as you know. So um, Hu Yamal, I think, is the one to to give the favourite a run for his money. And uh, obviously, they wouldn't have um, put Hoskoy in the race if it wasn't for the fact that, uh, you know, they, um, they think she's a pretty decent filly. What sort of money does it cost to supplement a horse into the race at that late stage? Uh, I think it's sort of a fair bit of money, like 50 grand or something like that. So mm. it's a, it's essentially the prize money. So yeah. it's a fair amount of money. They must be, although they've probably got quite a bit of money, that lot. Um, but um, they they wouldn't have done it unless they thought she had a chance. But presumably it's the, is it the owners that pay the, the money, not the not the trainer? Um, yeah, the owners pay. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. God, the yeah. tra trainer's money to do that no. yeah no quite yeah. well as you said they must be fairly confident if they're going to spell you know shell out that sort of uh, money really absolutely so um i would have thought that um yeah they'd um they think that um obviously there's a pretty good chance of uh her running very well put it like that 
And what sort of money would the prize money be for, say, you know, second and third or, or even fourth in a race like that? Is it, is it sort of substantial? Yeah, well, well they'd probably certainly get their money back um, if, if, if the horse would put in the first three. So, um, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a chance of a winner. So it's well worth um, well worth winning, put it like that. Yeah, quite, quite. And then, of course, we've got uh, a big race at um, Leopardstown in Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got um, some really great racing. It's on to a Champions Weekend, as it were. Yeah. So there's the Group One, there's a, the Group One um, Champion Stakes, and that's got some cracking horses in the race. Uh, with Fedini, uh, the favourite, who of course won the um, in France, uh, won the um, French Derby, has won the Eclipse at Sandown. We've got Mishrif, your favourite horse, yeah. also in there. Luxembourg, who was a really good two-year-old. And uh, trained by Aidan O'Brien, looks as though he's on the way back. So um, it's going to be a fascinating event, as it always is, the old uh, champion stakes. And, of course, it's also got Stone Age, who we both thought might have a chance in the derby. Sorry, I just missed that. I see. It's also got Stone Age in the race, who we thought might yes. do well in the derby, of course, which he, he didn't. Yeah, but, um, uh... I, I, he doesn't look as though he's... Um, up to scratch. I might be. I might be wrong there, but I don't think he looks as though he's a horse that's gone on, as it were, and probably be up to winning that race. But big price, twenty-five to one. Yeah. So who are you putting your your money on then? Well, I think a horse called Alan Kerr is pretty big price at twenty to one. That that looks like the bet to me in the race. Yeah. So, um, yeah. William Haggis is. Um, I think you know he's a pretty good horse on his day. So. Um, I think Alan Kerr be the one for me, um, but I know you'll go for Mistress. <laughs> I'm afraid so. Probably <laughs> <laughs> throwing my money away again, but there you go. <laughs> you just sort of get attached to a horse sometimes when you see it run, and then you, you, you think it can <laughs> always do it. Yeah, yeah. It's great. be no surprise if he won it. No surprise at all. Well, I, and I see Gosden had a winner this afternoon for Frankie de Tori at, um, at Doncaster anyway, so one assumes his horses are running fairly fairly strongly so uh you know hopefully that'll help as well yeah absolutely no trainer form is a big thing when it comes to um picking horses out to win as it were so but the yeah. gosden can't they in form so so yeah that horse will have a great chance so i guess after the um after the saint ledger and the irish champion stakes i, I presume we're going to be looking at uh, the arc to trail fairly shortly well i'm not sure of the date do you know yeah uh, yeah it's, the, it's always the first sunday i think in october uh, so, um, always the beginning of October, the Arctic Triumph, one of the great races of the year. Um, looks as though Baid has a chance of going there uh, if the ground isn't too soft. Baid's trainer would definitely rather stay at Ascot, I think, um, yeah. to win the big race. But it looks as though Baid has a chance of going for the Arc and obviously be favourite uh, should the ground not be too soft there. So, Baid, brilliant horse and could end his career going in the Arctic Triumph. But news today that Pile Driver won't be going the arc is fancied by many so way having won the king george yeah uh, at ask the pile driver won't be going there will be a hell of a be a hell of a uh, a race anyway but by if he goes there certainly be very interesting to see but it certainly seems as though the weather is is definitely sort of heading towards autumnish type weather which i guess might go against by if it's you know if we get a lot of rain between now and the uh, first weekend of october well, I sense William Haggis, Haggis would like it not to uh, stop raining because then he wouldn't um, be running by Eden the Ark and he'd probably stay stay at home in Ascot. But um, I think, you know, if, if the grounds goes very soft, they won't run by Eden uh, because he'd be stepping up to a mile and a half for the first time. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, then, know. Richard, thank you very much for all of that. Let's hope it's a good weekend and let's hope Mr. F wins. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's a cracking, cracking weekend in both uh, England and Ireland. So, um, yeah, lots to look at. Well, thank you very much for your contributions and we'll speak to you next week, sir. Thank you very much indeed. Many thanks. Cheers. Well, now it's time to catch up with Simon Holt from The Sporting Life with his ideas on the weekend's big races at Leopardstown and Doncaster. Right, well, good morning, Simon. A, a, a very sad day today, obviously. Um, the passing of uh, probably one of uh, racing's biggest supporters as well in Her Majesty the Queen. So, um, uh, you know, have you had any occasions where you've uh, bumped into or spoken with the Queen? No, certainly not. <laughs> I've obviously been present at many race meetings uh, where she was in attendance um, many times at Royal Ascot over the years. And, um, I mean, at Ascot, I think half the crowd every year weren't so interested in the racing or haven't been so interested in the racing and much more interested in seeing the Royal Procession yeah. uh, led, of course, by Her Majesty the Queen. Yeah. Uh, you're right to say she was horse racing's just biggest supporter most influential supporter i think that um, she as i say at royal ascot i think she helped to draw in the crowds and um, i think she did an enormous amount for the sport to uh, to engender general interest in racing yeah. because many people in this country many people that admired the monarchy um were probably inspired to to follow racing because the queen loved it so much you know I suppose also the fact that, that she was so involved with it, that, that would have sort of generated interest, you know, across the world and certainly across the Commonwealth. Well, yes, the fact that she raced so many horses and she inherited a few broodmares from her late father, King George VI, and um, gradually built that up at the um, Royal Studs at Sandringham. And she had some very good horses. Oriel was a, a, a very good early one. I'm not old enough to remember Oriel, but I do remember Dunfermline, who in 1977, which was the Silver Jubilee year, won both the Oaks and the St. Ledger, and yeah. in the St. Ledger beating that very good horse, alleged. So that was absolutely perfect timing. And, of course, more recently, perhaps the most famous victory and the one that will resonate most with the younger generation is uh, Estimate's victory in the 2013 Gold Cup and that reaction in the Royal Box which yeah, has yeah. been doing the rounds on the social media in the last few hours of her in just an ecstatic mood, so delighted by the victory and with her racing manager next door, John Warren, next to her, who came very close to embracing the monarch, yeah. which would have been a, a terrible breach of protocol, but yeah. it was just, they were so excited and it was wonderful to see. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, will Prince Charles, Prince Charles, King Charles, well, do you think he'll carry on the tradition or do you think it'll sadly, you know, drop away? No, I think it's going to carry on. I mean, from the little I know, I think that um, uh, Camilla, the uh, Duchess of Cornwall, will um, continue. Um, she's very keen on racing right. and she's had horses in training in the last few years, often um, with, with her husband, the, the new king. And um, it, it's a big operation, you know, it's a big broodmare band. And I really do hope that they keep it going. And she, I, I understand, will be the one to head it up. And hopefully maybe John Warren will continue as racing manager or someone else, but, but there's a lot of broodmares there. The Queen loved to plan her matings 
working out on the pedigrees and uh, I'm sure that uh, the Duchess of Cornwall will, will enjoy it as well and um, I hope also that the silks remain the same, that um, the raw silks will be carried many, many more times on British race courses. Well said, well said. Well, now, obviously, it's, uh, racing is still, as we record this, racing is still in doubt at the moment. We don't quite know whether it's going to carry on or not, but uh, we're hoping that it does, obviously. So um, we're going to go ahead with a little bit of a preview for the, the Doncaster meeting, and uh, presumably you might mention Leberstown as well, uh, Simon. The uh, big race, of course, on Saturday is, is the uh, St Ledger, sponsored by Kezu, and... We have a very warm favourite in the race, if, if the race does go ahead on Saturday, in New London, who represents the Godolphin team. And and by the way, that was a really touching message from Sheikh Mohammed I read last night, um, conveying his uh, admiration and respect for the Queen. Yeah. And in fact, Sheikh Mohammed did provide the Queen, I think it was with Carlton House, who, who ran in the Derby a few years ago. Mm -hmm. So, very close ties there. Yeah. Uh, anyway, New London uh, goes for Godolphin, and by golly, he's a gorgeous-looking horse. He's a, an extremely large, impressive son of Dubawi. And he won the Gordon Stakes at Goodwood last time out, beating Doville Legend, who has subsequently boosted the form by winning the Great Voltica at the York Ebor meeting. Just one question about him. I think he's got the best form in the race, but his only defeat uh, so far came at Chester in May when he, he didn't look to really handle soft ground. But it might equally have been the course at Chester because he is a very big horse and um, the course at Chester obviously is quite tight. But he's got a good chance. Very short price, though. I think there's an intriguing um, runner who's been supplemented, and that is Haskoy who's a filly that's just run twice, runs in the Judmont colours, won the Gultris stakes at uh, York. And this is a big step up in class, but Ryan Moore rode her that day and said he was impressed. And I think it's quite significant that they've stumped up the £50,000 to supplement Haskoy, who will be ridden by Frankie Dettori, who's won the St. Ledger six times. Mm. And I think that she is a real possibility I think she'll improve a huge amount for every run. And she's very stoutly bred as well. She's by Golden Horn out of a Nathaniel Mare. I don't think there'll be any problems on the score of stamina. OK, well, so maybe Frankie can do it again. He's uh, just as likely to, isn't it, knowing Frankie? Um, and then, of course, we've got uh, Leopardstown as well. We have, and that's a fascinating renewal of the Royal Bahrain-sponsored Irish champion stakes and it brings together uh, Vadini and Mishriff who were first and second in the Coral Eclipse at Sandown in early July. Mishriff looked a slightly unlucky loser that day. Uh, subsequently he's been beaten in the King George and was no match for Bayid in the Jabon International but he's, he's a very good horse. Uh, Vadini has got a very sharp turn of foot, was an impressive winner of the Prix de Jockey Club, the French Derby uh, earlier in the season did, I think, have the run of things a little bit there. And there's a horse in the race, another French challenger, a horse called Onesto, who last time out won the Grand Prix de Paris and really had no chance in the Prix uh, to Jockey Club because he was drawn very wide at Chanty. And it was just a hopeless position. He got behind. He was wide coming into the 
bottom turn and then finished off well into fifth place. I think Onesto is a very good horse. He's dropping back in distance, but he's got a lot of boot. And I would just take him to provide a, maybe a small upset. I mean, he's seven to one, so he's not a ranking outsider. And uh, I think he could develop into a leading arc contender. Uh, obviously, the arc at the moment, uh, it, it, the uh, market revolves around Baid if he were to run in the arc. We don't know if he's going to or not. If Baid doesn't run in the arc, then it's a, a much more open race. But uh, if Baid runs, and he's obviously going to be a short price favourite. But whatever, I think Onesto is a, is a potential uh, big player in the arc. Okay, Simon. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, well, I think yeah. I think that um, the Queen would have liked racing, and certainly a race like the St Ledger to have been run. Yeah. I think it's right that um, on Friday we've had this uh, clear day. There will obviously be a state funeral and probably a period of mourning at some stage. But I I, I don't know yet, but I think um, that, that, that Her Majesty would have liked to have seen the St Ledger run, and um, I hope um, that we that the race goes ahead. Okay, Simon, thank you very much for this, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again. Well, that was Simon Holt. With uh, well, that was Simon Holt from the Sporting Life with his ideas on the weekend's big races. Now it's time to catch up with Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing. Right, well, good afternoon, Dave. How's it all going? Yeah, a uh, bit of an up and down week, mate. Yeah. Weather's been playing havoc with the race courses, non-runners all over the show. Yeah. We don't know if we're coming, going, if we've got a 10-runner race when there's 16 declared or if all of them are going to run or whatever. It's just been a hmm. absolute horrendous week with it. It's uh, We had rain forecasts at the start of uh, Doncaster St. Nature Festival and that never materialised. They're baking lot of sunshine instead. Yeah, <laughs> all a bit crazy, isn't it? Put the pin in the paper. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Uh, not only trying to pick a winner, you've got to try and pick the area that they're going to be running on in advance yeah. as yeah. well, which has been a bit tricky. But we, uh, we had a four four horse lucky 15 last week for the Inca Jockeys Fund. We didn't get much returns because I think we had three of uh, four non runners huh. in the bet and uh, one loss. So we're just going to put a line through that one and start again this week. And hopefully we'll have four runners for them this week in a lucky 15. Okay, well, let's hope so. So where are we going first then? We're going to go over to Doncaster. We've got four four selections there. And the first race that we've looked at there is the 145. Yeah. Now, last week, a uh, horse called When the Dealing's Done absolutely bolted up. He could have won with me and you sitting on top of him, I think. And uh, he's a horse that's had plenty of issues and everything's starting to fall right for him now. And he's sound, he's got the going he likes and everything else. And he, he's won previously off of a mark of 93, which he's, he's up £7 from that from winning last time out. The handicap has actually put him up £10 for his win last weekend. And as I say, he destroyed the field up at Ascot. But he's priced up at five to one in a twenty-two runner race, mm-hmm. which I think is miles too short a price to be back in a horse like that. Yeah. So what we've found in the race is a horse called Night on Earth. Now, last time he run, he actually beat when the dealing's done, and he's only a pound worse off for when he beat him. So he's priced up at sixteen to one. So we all know what when the dealing's done's come out and done since. A night on earth beat him in the previous race to to that one. So sixteen to one seems a, a lot better value to me. And he's also had a stable change. He's changed from Mick Appleby over to Ian Williams 
Yeah. Now, invariably, when they have a stable change, as you know, it livens a horse up and they, they find a little bit of extra form. So if that happens with this fella, I think he's going to be tremendous value. He's got David Probert riding him, and Sky better pay in seven places each way on the race. So priced up at 16 to 1, seven places each way. Our, our bet in the 145 is night on earth. Okay, fine. Moving down the card to the 255 race, I really do like the chances of uh, William Haggis's charge here, Sacred. Going to be ridden by Kieran Fallon. Now, if you look through her form, she's had one run on good to soft and she comes second in the Lauver Stakes. She's had six runs on good going and she's won two of them and been placed twice. She won the Nell Gwynn, which is a group three, and I think she won the Hungerford Stakes, which is a group two. She's been placed second in the Flying Childers and she was second behind Champanelli in the Queen Mary as a two-year-old when she was on good going. Now, her good to firm form is well below that sort of standard that she's produced on ground with cutting. And obviously, it's going to be good to soft up at Doncaster on Saturday. So, uh, I think Sacred's going to have a great chance. Now, William Haggis, his stable's on fire. I think they're running around about a 19% strike rate for the last couple of weeks. About eight or nine winners. And Kieran Fallon's had three or four winners. He's, he's riding out of his socks. Now, Sacred had a bit of time off and she come back and was very well supported last time she run. And she got beat about six lengths by Kin Ross. But as I say, that was on good to firm going and they're now going to be competing on good to soft, which we all know Sacred's got in the bag. She likes that. And I think that's going to be a tremendous boost for her. She's priced up at around about six to one at the moment, with three places each way. So I'm going to suggest Sacred in the 255 at Doncaster. Okay, right you are. Moving down to the 4.05 race, we're going to put Point Linus up as our bet here with Kieran Fallon again on board, but this time he's riding for Ed Bethel. Now, last time out, Point Linus won in a photo finish from Master Richard, who's re-opposing him in this race. But what actually happened in the race, Point Linus got held up, and then as he came through to take it up in the race, Master Richard gave him an almighty bump, and... Point line has still got up a one in a photo finish. Now, both of them are getting a five pound weight for age allowance in this race, and uh, carrying, uh, Point Linus is going to be carrying only eight stone six in this in this race. And I think he's got a lot more potential off of that handicap mark than what Master Richard has because of the uh, clear run he didn't get last time out. He still beat Master Richard, and Master Richard, as I say, gave him a big bump coming up towards the winning line. So Point Linus is going to be our bet in this race. He's priced up at around 7-1 to one with William Hills at the moment. We haven't got a price from Sky Bet with their extra places available, so we're going to be waiting for that to be put in our bet. But another thing to note in this race as well, Shadwell, who Jim Crowley rides all of their horses for, have got a runner, and Jim Crowley is not riding it. He's actually riding a horse called Flor de la Luna, who is the rank outsider in the race, and it's trained by Mick Appleby. Now, Jim Crowley has no association, really, uh, riding Mick Appleby's horses. Every time Shadwell have a runner, Jim Crowley's jockey that rides for him, he's actually Shadwell's retained jockey. And there's a Richard Hannon-trained horse that's got Mr. Hitchcock riding it instead of Jim Crowley. Now, for Jim Crowley to be taking a ride on a rank outsider who's 40-1 to 1 
it may well pay to have a pound each way on that once Sky Bet open up with their extra places on the race because there's obviously some reason why he's chosen to ride a horse that's got no real form in its last four races. The previous day, it came second in a cork race, which was a listed event, and the horse that won the race and the horse that finished third have all won big races since. So obviously, Fleur de la Luna can run and should never be a 40-to-1 outside on that form, but it is a 40-to-1 shot on its last four runs. But with Jim Crowley on board and he's not riding the Shadwell horse, it's something to actually have a look at. So that's... Uh, the 405, our bet's point Linus, and we're going to have a saver each way on Floor de la Luna with Jim Crowley on board. You missed, you missed your vocation now. You should have been a detective, I reckon, sussing that one out. <coughs> <laughs> we look at every horse in every race and we're having a bet on so we know what we're actually looking at. So, yeah. uh, it is... Uh, it is one that sticks out for people that look at form and look at horses. And when you see Jim Crowley riding for Mick Appleby when there's a Shadwell runner in the race, yeah. it is something to have a, actually have a look at. So uh, okay, that's right. the reason why we spotted it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The last one of the four for us is going to be running in 5.13. Sounds like a train station time with a train yeah. coming from Waterloo to Yeovil Junction or something. Uh, the horse that we like in the 513 is Amarit. It's going to be ridden by Angevea Azzini, our lovely Italian lad, and trained by Roger Varian. Uh, is more of a work in progress than bare form pick, this fella. He's a big son of Frankel, and he'll improve on this ground, good to soft. Uh, last time out, he didn't fire. They, they tried him on good to firm over 14 furlongs at York, but they're dropping him back to 12 furlongs on more suitable ground here. And he's got some. He's got a winning race prior to that at Chester, and he looked a very good horse. Now he's priced up only at five to one at the moment with William Hills. But once all the other cowards, are, I mean the bookmakers, open their prices up, I think it'd be a little bit bigger than the five to one that William Hills have ducked under with him. And come Saturday, I think he'll, he'll get well supported as he gets an eight pound weight for age allowance in the race as well. So Amarick is our last bet. Uh, Doncaster in the 513 there. So that's the, the lucky 15 we're going to be having is Night on Earth, Sacred, Point Linus, and Amarek. And we're going to have an each way single on the Jim Crowley horse, which is Fraud de la Luna in the 405. So that's what we've got for you for the weekend, mate. And hopefully we'll have something there and uh, see if we can get a big price one in, in the bag for everyone. Okay, mate. Lovely job. Thank you very much for that. And we'll talk to you next week. Well, that was uh, Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing. And this is Colin Brown from Lambourne. Well, good evening, Colin. Um, a very sad end to the week, really. Um, the news of uh, my, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth dying uh, yesterday. Very sad. But, uh, of course, you you actually met her, didn't you? I certainly did. Yeah, bless her. I, I had a bit of a tear. Because, <laughs> um, you know, what a great... Um, lady she was and uh, she loved her racing and uh, we were you know uniquely honoured by having the Queen um, come racing so many times and have so many lovely horses in training uh, during her 70 year reign um, yeah she was just an absolutely fantastic lady and uh, yeah I was very lucky to meet her I mean she had so many great winners you know she won so many top races and um, her father 
King George the Sixth was a very successful owner of some brilliant horses, including the, you know, Phillies winning the Triple Crown with Sudden Chariot in '42, and he sort of got her into racing, if you like, and uh, she just loved her racing. And yeah, what a wonderful uh, person she was. And you know, I just one occasion I, I remember I was riding Desert Orchid up at um, Raw Windsor Horse Show. And Desert Orchid um, was going to parade around the ring at the Royal Windsor Hall Show where the Royal Family had a table and for, for dinner, etc., etc. And, um, you know, there are thousands of people there. And a horse called Milton, who was a great show jumper. So when I got to Windsor, the Royal Windsor Hall Show, I was, uh, I, I was escorted to the stables just to see Desert Orchid and leave my saddle there and um, bits and pieces and give him a little pat and get bitten by him probably. Um, <laughs> this is in the Royal Stables. And while I was there just talking to the lad who was looking at, uh, after him that day, um, a couple of corgis walked past the door and then the Queen arrived. So uh, that was it really. You know, just a good evening, Mum, and a bit of a curtsy if you like. I wasn't sure what to do really. Anyhow, she was brilliant. She was just sort of she was just turned up in a sort of, you know, fairly casual sort of tweed top and skirt and hat and stick um, and just chatted away about Desert Orchid for about 15 minutes. And so, you know, what a what a, what a thing to happen to, really. And mm. she just loved it. She just loved chatting about and all his races and giving him a little pat and found some polos in her pocket. And, um, you know, obviously there's plenty of security there. But I think nowadays you wouldn't be able to do that, really. And I was like, and all by, you know, just be there and yeah. you know, just hold hold what I call a conversation with her, which, you know, a lot of people yeah. you know, w would never get the opportunity to do. So, yeah, it was fantastic. But I, I've met her a few times since. And, um, yeah, she's, uh, she'll be greatly missed because not only just being a fantastic monarch, she's will be just, you know, she was just a, a very, very good human being that I think everybody, you know, whether they're for sort of royalty or whatever, uh, to, to run countries or whatever, she'll, she'll just be, you know, loved and, and um, remembered as just being, you know, the most beautiful queen that um, a country could ever, you know, wish to have. What a, what a fantastic memory for you as well, though. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I was lucky with that. <clears throat> but anyway, I'm sure that, I'm sure Her Majesty would, would agree with me when I say racing must go on, and uh, you know, <laughs> racing is going to be going on. We assume on uh, on Saturday, and uh, you've got a few tips for us, haven't you? So let's let's try to see if we yeah. can find some winners to uh, to commemorate uh, Queen Elizabeth. Absolutely, no. She would, you know, she was always asked as she go to. Newbury, and she had a great racing manager, John Warren, and uh, they just loved, you know, she just loved her racing, and I think had a lot of fun, and just, you know, just wonderful. So, yeah, so we'll crack away with um, the racing for Saturday. We've got very, very good racing um, on Saturday, and of course, we've got the St. Ledger at Doncaster, and we've got also um, the Irish St. Ledger, so some real good racing to look forward to. Um, let's start with, let's just come out of here. Yeah, I think we'll start.
start on today. Um, ooh, where should we start? We'll start with Lingfield Park. And that's where I'm going, if it's uh, uh-huh. okay with you. Yeah. And we'll have a little look at um, Lingfield Park to see if we can find a winner or two there. Um, right. There's a horse in the first race. Um, I think could go pretty close to winning here. And it's uh, trained by Ed Walker. It's called Shabano. And that's in the 135 at Lingfield. Um, ran quite a good race fourth at Salisbury last time. Before that, it was fourth at Newbury. Um, I don't think the race will take a lot of winning. And I would say this one will go close to winning. Shabano in the 135 at Lingfield on Saturday. Okay. Now... Uh, the other day, um, there it is, there's the second race here. Um, the other day, um, I don't know where I was now, and um, <clears throat> I was just looking through the form of a, a horse, uh, and uh, a horse came up on the screen, finished second, called She's Hot, and it runs in the 210 at Lingfield. And Luke Morris rides it again. She was second, just beaten by Paul Reuter at first. Before that, ran a good second at Goodwood at the big meeting. Had a sparkling beauty. And I think this one will win for Paul Cole and Feet Tree Hay. It's called She's Hot, number seven, in the 210 at Lingfield on Saturday. Okay. Um, right. The, oh, that was my, that were my, that was my two bets um, at Lingfield Park. And we'll just move across now to Musselburgh. And um, I don't know where you've ever been to Musselburgh, have you? No, I haven't been that north. Haven't you, really? I'm surprised. No, I've never been I'm to surprised Scotland. The man of, oh, well, I'm below. You need to get up there. Mm. Um, right. I think the furthest what north I've been is Blackburn. Or it might be Newcastle. Really? Newcastle, Middlesbrough. Oh. I'm not sure. They're probably, you know... Oh. Yeah, that's as far as I've north I've been. Missing out, haven't I? Well, you haven't really lived, have you? No, no. No, exactly. Anyhow, yeah. I reckon that, I reckon at Newcastle, in the... Um, or even Musselburgh. A Musselburgh. In the 518, there's one that I like here, called Dixie Doodle Dragon. <clears throat> it's called Dixie Doodle Dragon. And... Um, it's a horse that uh, has been running some pretty good races that won the time before at Musselburgh. And I reckon, although it's got six pounds, I think it will win uh, today. So that's my bet at Musselburgh. Um, right, moving to the 552 at Musselburgh. It's a nursery race. Uh, what wins it? Well, I reckon there's a horse. Uh, running called one second let me just move on to the 552 this is at Musselburgh uh, there's a horse called Rory the Cat and it ran quite well the last time out on its handicap debut and I reckon it can win the nursery today uh, Callum Rodriguez takes a ride for Mar- uh, for um, uh, Keith Dalgleish and that's the one to be on I think um, yeah it's called Rory the Cat what okay. Indeed. Right. 
Over in Ireland, listeners, we've got Leperstown. We've got the Leperstown. We've got some very good racing there um, on Saturday. And uh, we've got the Paddy Power Stakes of Group 3. We've got the Champions Juvenile Stakes. And then we've got the Royal Bahrain, Bahrain um, Champion Stakes. But I think in the 240, the Champion Juvenile Stakes, I think we'll see Ryan Moore ride the winner here. And um, it's a horse that uh, won at Nace last time out. Um, I think it's pretty, pretty decent. Called August Rodin. So that's what it's called. August Rodin, number two in the 240 at, um, at Leopardstown. Okay. Moving forward to the Paddy Power States. Um, what wins this? Well, it's a pretty pretty good race to be honest and and uh, Ryan Moore rides blue grass in the race which was third to Desert Crown at um at York and it was fourth to Point King at um Leopardstown uh last time I think it just needed that run I think today it'll be straighter for the run and will win so that's in the 310 the Paddy Power Stakes in Leopardstown and that is horse number five blue grass now, the Royal Bahrain Irish Champion Stakes at 3.45 looks a right hard race. Um, Alan Kerr, the Derby winners, 20 to 1. Broom, who won the Hardwick Stakes and goes on any ground and should, you know, they've had 90 mil of rain there. Should Broom, uh, should anything um, go amiss with the, uh, the favourites, then Broom, I think, must go quite close. I wish there were eight runners because you could back them each way to be in the first three. That was some of your betting accounts. You can go on there and go for an each way extra first four. I would back Broom each way extra finishing the first four at about 20 to one because um, he's 40 to one as we stand. And I would say he's got a terrific chance. But the winner of the race, I don't think we can go across Vadini, who won the Coral Eclipse last time out at Sandown. Um, he has won on soft ground in France. He's a top-class horse. He won quite nicely from this rift. And I think probably Vadini's the winning win bet. But have a little each way on Broom at a big price. Uh, what about Mishrif? I fancy Mishrif. Uh, do you know what? Mishrif, for me, I'm not a follower. He gets beaten more times than he wins. Um, and I don't know if you can say that about Broom, but he's, he's a six-year-old. He's had a right few runs. But I know he's always gets into trouble, Mishrif, and probably end up here, probably Vadini will win the race and they'll say, well, if the ground had been better, Mistriff would have won as we move on to this next race, which might be after, I suppose, the Champions Day. But yeah, if you fancy Mistriff back him, I'm just not a big follower of him and too many excuses for my mind. Well, having said all that, of course, um, John Gosden's stable's in form at the moment. He had a good winner today with Frankie Dodori on. I just think he's, he he's, he's had too many close shaves. I think sooner or later he's going to win one, and uh, I think he'll yeah, win. Yeah, no, I think you're right. You know, so yeah, anyway, right. that's only me. So you're the expert. No, I'm not. no, it's not. No, no, no. You are the expert. <laughs> well, that's why I'm not. I'm not living in Barbados because I don't tip enough winners. So mm. you know. Well, neither do I. I. But there you go. <laughs> there we go. It's all good fun. Yeah. Um, right, let's have a look at Doncaster. Um, some great racing up at Doncaster. Normally, over the years, you know, I would have been at this meeting, hmm. but this year I'm not. Um, 
Rafe Beckett's horse are in great form. The Maiden Stakes at 115 could go to Leadenhall. Um, it's first time out, but it's by King Min, beautifully bred jump on horse. Um, I'll take a chance with this one first time out. Should know its job by now uh, at this time of the year. So that's in the 115 at Doncaster, number nine, Leaden Hall is the one that I like. Okay. We've got the Portland Handicap, and this race is over six and a half furlongs. And it's a horse, that, it's a race where, you know, quite often horses that have been there before and run quite well um, come back year after year and, um, you, you know, run really well. Um, gosh. At least there's a few runners anyway. Yeah, there's plenty of runners, and I can't even think what won it last year, to be honest. But um, it was a tough old race, and I think um, I think you'll find that. One second, I'm just looking them up. Um, here we are. I think we'll find that Hurricane Ivor won it from Boundless Power, and a horse called Count Dorsey. Um, and Count Dorsey is a really good, tough horse that always r runs a good race at this meeting. And I reckon Count Dorsey has got a good each way chance at 16 to 1 to get back in the first three, anyhow, four here in the uh, 145s of Portland Handicap. We've got the Champagne Stakes, um, and this is a Group 2 race. I can't believe just three horses turn up for a race of this calibre, as they say. But the winner is a horse called Chaldean. It won at York last time out. Ryan Moore rode it for uh, Andrew Boarding, but Ryan's in Ireland. I think Chaldean, number one, Frankie de Tory, will win. OK. Um, what else have we got up there? We've got the Ledger, of course. The Ledger. Um... Oh, but uh, I think uh, Detori might have a good day. He rides a horse called Kinross. And this is a horse that won at York back in August. And before that, uh, it's, um, it's run some real good races. And I think Kinross will take the 255 with Detori in the saddle. The feature, of course, is the 30. It's the Ledger Stakes, a Group 1 race. What wins it? New London's the even money favourite. I think New London's got a good chance. I think it's probably the best horse in the race. Um, Phillies have won it in the past. And a horse called Haskoy um, at 7-1 to one to Tory rides for Rafe Beckett. And you know, you're just talking today that um, John Gosden and, and um, Tory had a nice winner at Doncaster on Thursday. It was, as, as, as we spoke earlier on, off our air. And um, that was seventh to Haskoy at York, beating about six lengths. That won a good race, a group race, um, on Thursday. So Haskoy, I think, is the each-way bet. And I think New London will win. A lot of people are going to say, why didn't you mention who you buy? Well, that changed hands for £1.6 million pounds at, um, at uh, ooh, when they have the sale in the city for Royal Ascot. A lot of money, but it did win last time out, but only a four-horse race, and um, I, I, I'm not sure it's good enough. So I'm going to go the win bet, New London for the St. Ledger, and the each-way bet, Haskoy. But of course, Hasco so Haskoy, 
has been supplementing for this race, hasn't he? Or she? He. Pardon? She. 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 Grand they paid. Yeah. Well, she I mean that that surely girl. must show somebody's got a bit of faith yeah. in it, hasn't it? You know. Absolutely. And 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 Beckett's won it. You know, in the past with a with a mare called um, Simple Verse, I think it was called. Yeah. A few few years ago. So yeah. So there we go. So I I haven't mentioned Mary yet, but let's hope Mary has taken all those horses down, and uh, she's going to have some serious accumulators the weekend. Well, let, let's um, hope Mary didn't do all of last week. Shall we? Shall we uh, just mention that you didn't? Oh gosh, you did. You didn't, did you, Mary? Please tell me you didn't do college oh, selections Mary, I hope you last didn't week. Your money. No, no, I don't, no. Let's hope not. I spoke to her a couple of days ago. And um, she didn't mention it, so I don't think she did. She must have forgotten. Yeah, probably. Probably. No, that's fair enough then. I'm only winding you up anyway. Well, no not, problem. Not no really. Problem. But okay, well, um, that's great. Thank you very much, Colin. And um, yeah. on this rather sad day, but uh, as we said earlier, I'm sure Her Majesty would have wanted racing to carry on, and it would appear that it is. Well, so we'll, we'll catch up again with you next week. Take care. Thank you. And have a good weekend. Well, that brings to an end a very sad show, a very sad day, um, the day after Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II passed away. Our sincere condolences to all of the royal family.